Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Body Bags with Joseph Scott Morgan. I don't know about y'all, but throughout my life, I've I've been around people that that have some level of perhaps notoriety. I've, I've been around people that when you see them, they look like they stepped right out of the pages of some fashion magazine and whatnot. And I think half the world is envious of these types of people, maybe the life that they lead, being able to jet set all over places, mingle with other pretty people, as they say. I've, I've often said, having done autopsies on both the rich and the poor, everybody's blood is just as red. Today, I want to reflect on a case that I started covering back in 2014 when I was appearing on HLN 
it is something that has caught my attention this past week, and it is the revelation that a one Oscar Pistorius is going to be turned back loose on society after less than a decade of being incarcerated for the brutal homicide of his girlfriend, Reva Steenkamp. I'm Joseph Scott Morgan, and this is Body Bags. I started covering this case back in uh, 2014, and you were covering wall wall true crime and went in many times on this particular topic. Actually, I remember covering it specifically with my buddy, with my buddy, uh, Vinny Politan. You know, Vinny works over at Court TV now, and uh, he and I uh, covered this case for months, and it was it was a weird a weird kind of thing because it's obviously this case originates out of South Africa and it it's <laughs> the way they do things is completely different from a judicial standpoint than the way we do things here in the state. First off, did you know that in South Africa, your, your case is not heard by a jury. Your case is heard by the judge and it's heard by what are referred to as two assessors. And uh, they're kind of pseudo judges, you know, that sit in judgment of this thing. And it was so complicated. And they would do these long pauses in, you know, when you're in the midst of the trial. And for the most part in the American system, things just go boom, boom, boom. And maybe it would not have been a big deal. But you're talking about Oscar Pistorius, who I know that you have covered over the years. You've covered him even outside of this homicide relative to some of the things that he was involved in in the legal system. For eight or 10 years, Joe, we covered the legal wrangling of Oscar Pistorius. The man was nicknamed the Blade Runner because of the prosthetic legs he used for running. When he was 11 months old, both of his legs were amputated halfway between his knee and ankle. He became an accomplished athlete. He competed in the 2004 Paralympic Games. He ran in both non-disabled sprint events that would allow him and, of course, competed in uh, sprint events for below-knee amputees. Pistorius had to fight his legal battles away from the track just to be allowed to compete in the non-disabled sprint events. He was ruled ineligible for the 2008 Beijing Olympics, but he continued his legal fight and was allowed to race in the 2012 Summer Olympics in London. The claim was that Pistorius's artificial limbs gave him an advantage over runners with natural ankles and feet. He runs with a J-shaped carbon fiber prosthetic called the Flexfoot Cheetah. Now, he was not the first athlete to compete at both Paralympic Games and Olympic Games. But Pistorius competed in the 2012 Olympic Games uh, that were held in London. So he had become, at this particular moment, probably the most famous athlete in the world. And at the height of this fame, five months after the Olympics ended, he's accused of shooting and killing his 29-year-old girlfriend, Reva Steenkamp. Joe, can you explain why Oscar Pistorius had to have his legs amputated below the knee when he was only 11 months old? Yeah, and it's a congenital defect. Uh, he was born with this malformation, if you will. And and here's the reality that when his physicians at the time, these neonatal surgeons, you know, were taking a look at him, and I'm sure that they did a consult with doctors that uh, uh, that work with people uh, 
who might have an opportunity to have a full life relative to therapy that they could go through. They saw that it was an untenable situation physically for him, that there there's no recovery because you're absent the skeletal structure in order to support your body weight, not to mention your ability to, um, you're not going to participate in athletics in, in the sense that someone that was born with fully developed legs and limbs might have the opportunity to. And so what the, the decision that was made early on in his life is that they would amputate his feet. And I think that there were multiple surgeries so that at the end of the day, he's left literally dependent upon prosthetics for the rest of his life. But when it says that the outside of the feet were missing, are we talking like from if I draw a line in the middle of my foot and just take out from the second toe over to the right kind of thing or left, depending on what foot is that the outside we're talking about? The bones and everything else. What well, it's not. It, it with him. It wasn't just the bones of the feet. Uh, he was actually missing his fibula in both lower legs. It's the tib fib that you're looking at. You know when these these bones are. You know people hear about uh, fractures, and the fibula. Okay, just so that people understand, the tibia is in the lower leg. The tibia is the more robust of the two bones. So you have running down the midline, if you put your hands on your knees, okay, and you begin to move down your leg, you'll feel actually your tibia. That's the, it feels, no pun intended, it feels, it has like a blade-like edge on the outer facing anterior surface. On the outer aspect, you actually have the fibula or fibulae if you're talking about both. And he was missing these bones, Dave. And so, when these surgeries took place on him as a child, they knew that he's absent that. So just think about it. If you and I were building a structure relative to, I don't know, let's just think about a bridge and you've got these pilings that support the bridge that go down into the surface of the water or the river, you know, whatever you're talking about, the bridge isn't going to stand too long if you have insufficient piling structures that are supporting this. And so they felt as though the surgeons they did at that point in time, that it would be better to go ahead and amputate what remained this, this kind of uh, malformed tissue to take it off and have him at, remember, he doesn't know how to walk at this point. Right, he's in time, 11 months old. And he's going to have to adapt throughout life. And by gosh, he sure did adapt, didn't he? I, and, and he's totally dependent upon prosthetics for the rest of his life. The reason I wanted to be clear on this is because the night Ms. Steenkamp was murdered, he didn't put his uh, prosthetic legs on. Right. He was actually, um, and, and I hate to say this because I feel like I'm really being mean, and I'm not. I'm using the term that is used. He was walking on his stumps. This is actually a discussion that I had in studio, Dave. Look, I was new to TV. I had just finished covering Jody Area, and then they said, we want you to do Blade Runner. I was like, oh, okay, I'll do it. And so a, you did Jody Arias, Dylan Redwine, yeah. and Oscar Pistorius in your first 12 months oh, yeah. of being involved in the media. Oh, and that's not the only thing. I did Trayvon Martin, too. And that was like, that was all thrown at me at one time. But this case was very intriguing to me. And so I would go to the studio in downtown Atlanta and, you know, proceed to cover the case. Well, when there's this moment in trial where Pistorius is told to stand 
in court without his prosthetics on. And he is literally standing on what remains of these legs. Well, the producer at the time at HLN slash CNN, they said, okay, you need to talk about his stumps. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm not using that term on air. They said, no, no. He refers to these as his stumps. The medical community refers to these as his stumps. And I'm like you, man. I'm thinking, oh, my God, I'm going to get pilloried. I'm going to get people are going to say I'm cruel. I'm mean. And they were like, no, you're not. Go ahead and plow on through it. And I got to thinking about it. It's like, well, what else am I going to call absent legs? I I don't know. So I, I literally had to use this term. And I know people are hearing my voice. They're saying, Morgan, you're so gutless. Why would, look, the world that we live in, we lived in then. And even now that we live in, um, you know, you're thinking, oh my God, how's this going to be perceived? But that was the reality. And he did function without his prosthetics on. And that is a big part of this case, Dave. When I saw him in court, he's standing there and he is on his stumps because they're trying to get a, a height, um, a height, ratio relative to him and this door that will come into play in a bit. They're trying to understand the relationship height-wise with him because it's a bone of contention in this case. If he had his prosthetics on, he's going to be at a different height. I think with his his blades on, which are different than the regular prosthetics that he wore, with his blades on, he comes in at almost six foot three. With his regular everyday prosthetics, it's like 6'2", but you take these things off of him and he's he's down like a foot and a half at this point in time. So there is a huge height differential between these two things. And one of the things that we look at when we're examining cases, we're trying to determine height relationships. We're trying to determine directionality of uh, weapons that are fired. And I don't know in my history of covering cases that I have ever had a case where that was such a key. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. 
Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I'm Joseph Scott Morgan, and a big shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing free samples. I live in an area where allergies are a day-to-day issue, and finding an over-the-counter option for relief is like the holy grail. I use Astapro, and I strongly recommend you give it a try. Astapro is a first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray, and it's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays can take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to AstaproAllergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O-Allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. A lot of folks think that Valentine's Day is a day that's created by greeting cards companies and chocolate companies. But I got to tell you, I, I dig Valentine's Day. I, I like surprising my wife every year. You know, we go out to a nice, nice supper and I always get flowers. It, it's fun to me. I enjoy it. And it's not too far away from my wedding anniversary as well. So we got a whole month of love and in our house uh, during during February, and I uh, I've always made a big deal out of it. I'm a romantic at heart, but I got to tell you, Dave, on uh, Valentine's Day, 2013, I don't know what my wife and I were doing, but I know what Oscar Pistorius and Reva Steenkamp were doing. They were fighting, apparently. They had only been dating 90 days. The infatuation level should still be there. Heading into Valentine's Day with somebody that you're really infatuated with and leaning towards that saying I love you out loud and all that, that's where they were. Reva Steenkamp even sent him a text message saying as much. So how did it get so bad? But their relationship really had apparently been a whirlwind, very fast, but it was also filled with some very scary outbursts from... Oscar Pistorius towards Reva Steenkamp. And again, 90 days, that's all we're talking about in terms of their relationship. I would have thought Valentine's Day, three months in, would have been, you know, sunshine, rainbows, unicorns, and flowers, and just beautiful, sweet things. And that is not what we're talking about here. We cover a lot of things 
on body bags that all lead back to domestic disputes. And this is no different. And you are on the money with this because it was such a very short period of time that they had been together. How could you have this much disdain and, um, and anger towards somebody based and I saw the crime scene photos at the time he ripped her to shreds in, in this bathroom. It's the night of Valentine's day. It's late at night. They're at their home. Their air conditioning is out. Yep. Now it's February where they, you know, but it's hot. Where it's they hot. Are. Yeah. They're South. They're South of the equator. So it's their summer essentially. All right. So it's hot. And Pistoria says they went to bed at 10 o'clock. This is his version, by the way. Two fans in the doorway to the balcony because the air conditioning wasn't working. Pistorius usually sleeps on the right-hand side of the bed, but now claims that due to a shoulder injury, he slept on the left-hand side of the bed that night. His iPad, prosthetic legs, they're on the right-hand side of the bed. Steenkamp's bag and sandals on the left-hand side, the side he claims he was sleeping on. He woke up during the early morning hours of February 14th, 2013, because the room was hot and humid. Steen Camp was also awake and asked him, you can't sleep, Baba? That was her nickname for him. Pistorius gets up without his legs and moved the fans from the balcony doorway to inside the room. He pulls the curtains tight to block out a slim bit of light through the curtains, and he moved Steen Camp's jeans from the floor and was going to use them to cover a small LED light that, on an amplifier that was bothering him. Now, before covering the light, he claims to have heard a noise of a window going up in the bathroom. He said he believed the noise was from an intruder, who was in the house, possibly via a ladder to the window. Still on his stumps, Pistorius retrieves his gun from beneath the left side of the bed. He whispers to Steenkamp to call the police and then move into the hallway leading to the bathroom. The gun pointed in front of him. Moving down the hallway, he leans against the wall for a better stability on his stumps. His eyes keep moving between the bathroom door and a nearby window. He yells at the person, get out of the house, and yells to Steenkamp, call the police. Still feeling vulnerable on his stumps, he fears someone is about to come out of the bathroom when he hears the sound of wood moving and thought the door was opening. He's overcome with fear. He fires four shots in quick succession through the bathroom door. That is his story, and he's sticking to it, Joe. He claimed that he heard people banging around in the house or what he thought were people banging around the house. And we, we've got to back up a little bit because, you know, only if you take a look at the bed— and I think everybody can, and this is one of the things that we look at on crime scenes. If we have someone that was alleged to have been in bed, the most obvious thing that we're going to do is look at the bed clothes to see if they're disrupted in any way. And only one side of the bed is actually disrupted. That gives you evidence that someone may have been laying there. And one other thing, her iPad was found on the floor adjacent to the side of the bed, which she commonly slept on. He goes down the hallway. He retrieves the weapon. It's a nine millimeter pistol, which is a semi-automatic that he keeps holstered beneath the bed. He's got a long history with guns. Uh, as a matter of fact, a little aside that people might not remember uh, about him is that he had been in a restaurant months before with some of his buddies, a public place, and he discharged a handgun at their feet under the table. And how in the world no one was hit at that particular time, I have no idea, but for the grace of God. So he's got this this uh, this history of weapons. He goes to the range a lot. There's nothing wrong with that. He fired a gun through a sunroof of a car, too, didn't he? Yeah, he did. He did. So he's he's got this—it almost seems like there's this 
this anger thing that goes on with him, but it comes off as well as there's a, a level of brattiness to him too. And I, you know, and I think about the dynamic within, you know, with them fighting that night and she may have just been simply trying to defend herself verbally and it just set him off. It just set him off. And so there's something that happened in that bedroom that night. And keep in mind, a lot of the stuff that we hear that came out of this trial, a lot of it was circumstantial. Uh, and uh, people will say, well, how is that? She was shot this many times. Yes, yeah, she was shot through a door. But the problem was, is that they had a real hard time in this case, putting the gun in his hand. Now he's moving down the hallway. She's retreated. And so folks understand you've got the, the bed area and there's a hallway that's essentially made up of closets where you've got these uh, wardrobes essentially that are, that are running down a hallway and the hallway with the wardrobes dumps into the outer area of the bathroom. So you've got like the shower area, there's a sink, and then you have a separate toilet room. Okay. She had retreated into the toilet room. So whatever initiated in that bedroom, she fled. She felt as though that she needed to retreat to a point where she could put a barrier between him and her. Well, when she gets inside of that bathroom, he can't access her at this point in time. She's locked the door from the interior and he's outside of the door. Now, here's where it gets kind of murky. Um, there is evidence that he did in fact fire through this door. Now you've got four rounds that have passed through the door and have struck her. Now she's the initial shot, which she sustained was essentially to her lower torso is actually in her right hip. Another shot went wild and you've got another shot that actually strikes the wall ricochets, splits in two, and you've got it passing through her hand and into her head. So you've got multiple gunshot wounds that she has sustained. And here's, you know, we've talked about this before on body bags, which is kind of fascinating uh, idea. It's one thing to stand toe to toe with someone where you have open space between you and a target. Uh, and you shoot at that individual, it's merely passing through air. But now you're talking about wildly firing through what's referred to as an intermediate target. Say, so Morgan, well, what happens when you fire through an intermediate target? I'm glad you asked that question because I'm going to tell you. If you're firing through a door, and a lot of it, I know that a lot of us, I'm, I've got a couple in my house, you've got a couple of cheap doors in your house. They're essentially hollow is what they are. But if you have something that is a bit more robust, say that's solid through and through, even if it's press board, you're going to affect, um, it will affect not just the flight of the round, but also the configuration of the round. So you're talking about a soft lead projectile that passes through this intermediate target and it, if it doesn't come apart, the round will then become misshapen at this point in time. And so when it, if it comes apart, now you're not just dealing with a nine millimeter round. You might be dealing with a chunk of lead that's passing through and you've got one chunk that is say five millimeters and you got another chunk that's four millimeters. Either way, it's a projectile. It's still flying through the air and it's going to strike you. 
But here's the problem, and here's where it kind of ran afoul for him. He claims that he shot her after he had put his legs on to go down this hall and inspect to see where she was or maybe where the intruders were. But as it turns out, the height made the difference here because the entrance into the door was not consistent with the height had he been wearing his prosthetics. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER this is it your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do, too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Point of view. POV, as they say nowadays. It's all in the POV, isn't it? Your perspective. And in the case of Oscar Pistorius, 
murdering, and we can say that now because he is convicted of murder, Reba Steenkamp. It's all about his perspective and where he was in relation to that door and her on the other side of the door. Either way, this turned into an absolute bloody mess, and I don't just mean I don't just mean the event itself, but also the scene and the aftermath of the scene because man, there's that old saying that again I, I attribute to my papa. He'd say he'd look at me and he'd say, Boy, you could tear up an anvil. And I think that <laughs> I think that that's uh, to a certain degree that's what the cops did in this particular case. We've had Oscar Pistorius's version of events. His is the only version of events of the story because the only other person who's a witness to this is dead, Reva Steenkamp. She can't tell us what happened. Your job, using the forensics and only the forensics, tell me the truth of what really happened, Joseph Scott Morgan. What really happened is that he shot this woman through the door. And and here here's another thing that we have to fill in the blanks with. There was screaming that had been heard. A woman screams. Uh, that had been emanating uh, from the home. One of the neighbors had heard this. And I might have my times wrong, but it seems like it was probably about 1 a.m. when this happened. Now, they claim that they went to bed. He claims that they went to bed at about 9 or 10 that evening. They never could quite nail that down. Uh, what's really fascinating about this, Dave, is that, you know, we talk about on on body bags many times, we'll talk about uh, post-mortem interval. And here's, here's an area that I don't really dig into a lot, um, but we will in this particular case, because when they did Reva's uh, autopsy, her stomach contents indicated that she probably ate at about one o'clock in the morning, because we can, we can measure... And it's not an exact science. Please understand that, everybody, within the sound of my voice, all right? Because a lot of it's dependent upon your own physiology, how much food you might still have in your stomach, you know, how your body handles certain types of food. But they found vegetable matter, and she had done a stir fry, and she also had, they had done chicken strips with that as well. And so it takes a prescribed amount of time for the contents of your stomach to dump into the leading, um, the leading bit of your small intestine. All right. And it's almost a measurable kind of thing. What had happened was that when she died, when she died, she still had vegetable matter and chicken matter in her stomach. So you can think that maybe, maybe she had ingested food probably within two hours of her death. Got the exact time of phone calls, Joe. Oh, yeah. 319. That's when Pistorius calls a neighbor. 320, he phones an ambulance service. At 321, he calls his security at his estate. So 320 in the morning is when she's already gone. Here's one other thing. The the neighbor, the ear witness, had actually stated that they had heard a pause in the shooting, which I found very fascinating. Where he it, said there were four quick shots, bomb, 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 bomb. Exactly, and that's one of the areas where there's a lot of questions. Was it boom, 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 and then you wait? She shot in the right hip. Okay, that's where this first round, you know, strikes her. At least that's what the forensic pathologist believes. And it, it's a nasty wound. Okay, don't make no mistake about this. And I think that anybody that's ever sustained 
a hip injury to like a bony prominence in that area. Can you imagine being struck with a nine millimeter bullet that passes through a door? So the bullet's going to be deformed anyway, when it strikes your leg or your hip, do you think that that might elicit a high pitched scream? Look, if it were me and I was shot there, I'd be screaming like eight year old little girl. Uh, it would be that painful. And I think that that might be, what they had heard, there was a pause in the timing here, though. And it, it didn't marry up, you know, because he's saying this over and over again. There's also this idea that he says that he put his legs on, retrieved the cricket bat, and began striking the door to get access. When these uh, their forensic analysts looked at this door, there was evidence that the strikes, just like the bullet holes, were lower Say, for instance, in a, you know, a person that's 6'2", 6'3", is wielding this thing. And I had to look it up. And I remember looking it up back then. Look, dude, I'm an old Southern boy from America. I've never held a cricket bat in my life. I'm not saying I wouldn't want to. It looks like it looks interesting. But this thing weighs about three pounds. And it's wood. All right. And it's really oddly shaped. It's it's almost got a rectangular shape with a small handle on one end. You can do some damage with this thing. And if you see the images, the door is actually made up of panels. It looks as though are planks, and he's knocked these planks out in order to get in to to access this area. So he has to reach over, access, he claims this key that's down on the floor and then facilitates unlocking the door. There's evidence that when she was when she was first contacted in this room, that she is lying. She's fallen back into a magazine rack that was immediately adjacent to the toilet. And her head is actually resting on the toilet seat. And she's bleeding profusely from her head. He picks her up. He picks her up at this point in time. Now, how do you do this if you're on your stumps? Did he retrieve his legs at this point in time and come back to do this? Um, there's blood deposition all throughout the hallway, in the bathroom, and up and down the stairwell. Well, he takes, because he's on the second floor, he removes and cradles her body and takes her body downstairs at this point in time. And you can see on the crime scene images that there's this big bloody area with a mass of towels and other debris that are laying down there that I don't know if he attempted to stop the bleeding with, you know, with sheets or towels or whatever the case might be, but there's this big bloody area that's there at the landing on the first floor. But it gets, it gets really interesting here, Dave, because, you know, the police actually show up at the scene. Do you remember, can you, can you revisit and tell us again what his level of notoriety was worldwide? Oh, buddy, it was huge. You, you know, the biggest thing about it was that he already had become a celebrity in the para Olympics in, you know, uh, winning there as a, as a track and field athlete, as a runner, a sprinter, he had these very unique looking uh, prosthetic legs, which is why he had to fight. He had to go to court to be allowed to race against, uh, non amputees. And they in court suggested that his blades actually gave him an advantage over uh, people that had, did not have, uh, prosthetic legs. But that brought about worldwide fame because he won and was allowed to compete in the Olympics, not the Paralympics, you know, but the actual Olympics. And because it's such a rare thing for an amputee to actually compete on this worldwide stage at the best of the best, he became on, you know, he's on the Wheaties box. He is that guy. Yeah. Yeah. And for that, and at this moment in time, 
I mean, we're talking about six months after the Olympics, five months after the Olympics. He is arguably one of the most famous people in the world at the moment this happens, Joe. This guy was the centerpiece of all things athletic there. So to that point, and I, I wanted you to reemphasize that, did you know that when the police showed up, they had him stay in the kitchen away. They didn't remove him from the scene. And, you know, it two, I think it was two hours later, he asked them, now let's think back what had happened, what had happened. He had shot through that door, right? He asked the police, look, the blood on my hands is making me nauseated making me nauseated. And I'm not saying he doesn't have a weak stomach because, you know, during the course of his trial, do you know he vomited in the courtroom? I, I remember that vividly. So maybe he's got a weak stomach. I don't know. But the cops allowed this man to wash his hands. He's a worldwide hero. I know, exactly. And he is their hero. I mean, he is known. Trust me, the police in this area know his address. Yes. They all know that he lives there. Here's the thing. Um, we look for three components in, in, uh, in gunshot residue. We look for antimony, we look for barium, and we look for lead. And once you put soap to your hands, there is a high probability. First off, it's not a foolproof test to begin with, the GSR test. Once you put soap to your hands, all bets are off at that point in time. It, there's, there's no guarantee. So you're running the risk now of swabbing for gunshot residue that might not be there. And also you're still allowing the suspect and he is a suspect. Not only is he a suspect, he's a known perpetrator because we know that he fired through the door. You're allowing him to remain in the scene. And in a case like this, I can only judge it by American standards. Guess what? Uh, he'd be at least in the back of a unit or he would have already been removed to headquarters where you'd begin the process of taking a statement from him. No, 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 no. He's still on his compound within this house, which to me is just absolutely mind-blowing. I was looking over that, Joe. Oscar Pistorius had his prosthetics on when he carried her downstairs. Now, remember, we were talking about this a few minutes ago about what he was doing. He has prosthetics on. He carries her downstairs. The witness says the friend or, or a security, whoever is now there, he's not alone with her. By the time he takes her downstairs, there are people in the house. He's got his fingers in her mouth to keep her airway open, and he's got a hand on her hip to stop the bleeding. But when the police and paramedics arrive, they immediately say she's dead. And that's when, you know, that he stays in the kitchen, and, and eventually they let him go and wash up and everything else. I'm still shocked because... Two hours into this, Joe, you were mentioning that two hours, he says, do you mind if I, you know, wash? I'm sick to my stomach. He says to the police, you guys take whatever pictures you want. Just hurry up. I want to get out of these clothes. I need to get out of these bloody clothes. Take whatever pictures you want and get out. It's critical in any kind of investigation, first off, that your suspect is not in charge of your investigation. That's one of the things dealing with high profile individuals. I've never dealt with like a celebrity at this level in any homicide investigation, but I have dealt with people that perceive themselves to be in positions of power. And it's at that point in time where the investigators have to take charge and you're not running 
you, the universal you, this individual is not running the investigation. The police are running this investigation. Uh, But as it turned out, he was eventually tried and convicted of Reva Steenkamp's homicide. Can you tell me why, how she died, Joe? I mean, we know she's got that. He fired four bullets in four rounds into the bathroom, one hip shot, one split bullet with part of it in her head. What damage was caused? How did she die? Well, she eventually died. And because they were still, according to him, at least remember, he's trying to keep her airway open. There was still some kind of agonal respiration with her at that point in time. What would have eventually led to her death was going to be what we refer to as exsanguination, which means she bled out. And and that's that's not unreasonable considering the volume of blood that you see at the scene because it was, as we say, copious, to say the very least. It would have been a slow, agonizing death. But if the wounds could have been stopped from bleeding... Could she have survived? It's hard. It's hard to say. I don't know that the gunshot wound that she sustained to the head would have been a survivable injury. And even if it had been survivable, I don't think that anyone could have guaranteed any kind of further high quality of life for her. It was that devastating. It should be noted that Oscar Pistorius is scheduled to be released from custody January of 2024. I'm Joseph Scott Morgan, and this is Body Bags. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 